And thank you very much. I, I didn't get them in the lobby beforehand. And so if you can get those out right now, and we'll read our scripture in a moment. Luke 15, verses 11 through 24. I was preaching tonight, and so it was only fitting this afternoon that I had fried chicken for lunch. And because uh, I guess every Baptist preacher every once in a while needs to have some fried chicken. And so I had some fried chicken today. I hear a ring, guys. Can you help me with that? I hear a little bit, a little bit, maybe a lot of bit of a ring. If you can help me there, maybe I'm just too loud. I don't know. Luke chapter 15. And verses 11 uh, through 24. Let's read responsively. Could we do that? I'll read the odd verses out loud. If you could join me on the evens, and then we'll be seated. Luke chapter 15. And I appreciate, Pastor, the opportunity to preach in your pulpit. Thank you so much. Uh, I don't take this lightly, and I'm excited for the opportunity. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 24. The Bible says this. And he said, a certain man had two sons. Altogether... And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Verse 20, And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Verse 22, But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, then put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. Altogether, verse 24, ready begin. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this great story of the prodigal son in your scripture. I pray tonight you'd open our hearts and minds to what you have for us. Help us, God, to see this story as you present it to the Pharisees. Help us to learn from it, glean from it. And in a short few moments, God, may we walk out of here better Christians than when we walked in. Help us, we pray. Bless these, your dear people, as they listen. Help me to be a blessing in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. In Luke 15, we see Jesus speaking to a large crowd of publicans and sinners. The Pharisees began to do what they want to do, criticize the Lord Jesus Christ and his ministry. Their criticism, quote, here's what they said, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Sidebar, I'm so glad that Christ received sinners tonight. I'm glad that though we had nothing to offer him, he offered everything to us. I'm glad, as the song says, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. The worst of the worst can come to Jesus and he can save them. The dirtiest of the dirty can come to Christ and he can clean them up. The most broken of the broken can come and he can piece them back together. John 6, 37, Jesus said this, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Aren't you glad tonight 
that Christ receiveth sinners. Amen. Well, the Pharisees weren't. In response to their criticism, Jesus tells them three parables in this chapter, all dealing with lost things that got found. These are all pictures and illustrations of salvation he was giving to the Pharisees. First of all, verse 4 through 7, we see the parable of the lost sheep. And Pastor spoke about that last week. In verses 8 through 10, we see the parable of the lost coin. And then verses 11 through 32, the parable of the lost son, or as we call it, the prodigal son. And this story illustrates vividly for us tonight God the Father and His desire for mankind to be saved. So we'll quickly outline this story tonight, and then we'll get to the meat of the message at the very last point of the outline. Number one, very briefly, number one, we see an impatient lad. An impatient lad. The Bible says in verse 11, And he said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Notice he did not say, Sir, if you please give me. Or, Father, what do you think about? Or, Dad, I'm wondering. Let me have. No, no, that's not what he said. He demands, give me the portion of goods. Can you hear the impatience in this young man's voice? What was he impatient of? Possibly, he was weary of his father's government, of the good order and discipline of his father's family. And it was in church of liberty, or falsely so-called as liberty to sin, quickly turned into slavery to sin. Which that's always the way it works. The liberty to do what you want and do sin always turns into slavery. And maybe that's what he was seeking. But watch out that attitude of, I just can't handle all these rules. I just don't like all these restrictions. I don't like being told what I can do and what I can't do. That is the prodigal son's attitude. You better be careful of that. First John 5, 3 tells us this, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous, the Bible says. That means when I find out what God wants me to do, it shouldn't make me mad. When I find out what God doesn't want me to do, and I'm doing it, it shouldn't make me upset. It doesn't bother me. It helps me. But this son didn't have that attitude. He wanted out of there. We see an impatient lad, number two, I'm moving quickly. We see an impious lifestyle. Look at verse 13. And not many days after, that's usually how it works. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. The word riotous, it means luxurious, unrestrained, no borders, no rules. Whatever his flesh wanted, he did. And how sad it is to see some who leave the father's house and do a 180. They were tired of the Father's government of their lives and of His messenger's strict warnings. And at the first opportunity they get, they throw all of that aside and they live a carnal, fleshly lifestyle. You see them flaunted on social media and you see all that that goes on and they're having a great time, or so it seems. Can you see Him living it up, carousing, doing whatever He wanted, throwing money here and there, just living what He thought was the best life? All the things He couldn't do in the Father's house. Now he's doing. And he thought it was the best until what happens next. Number three, we see an impoverished loser. An impoverished loser. Look at verse 14. And when he had spent, what's the next word? What was that word? All. He reached into that piggy bank and it was empty. When he had spent all. You know, sin's fun until it's not. Living for your flesh and fulfilling your carnal desires. Those are fun until it's not. And that's what happened to this man. The Bible says there arose a mighty famine in that land. He began to be in want. 
he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. He sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain, that word means with joy. That means he would have loved to. It would have made his day to have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. He spent everything he had. He didn't have two pennies to rub together. He didn't have a cent to his name. He lost everything. And now he's hungry. You remember the last time you were hungry? Maybe you say, it's right now, Brother Chris. It's right now, maybe. Uh, what was the last time you were hungry? I, I mean hungry. I mean hungry. Like, like if there was a cheeseburger on top of your head, your tongue would slap your brains out to eat it. I mean, you were hungry. Now, I've been hungry, but thank God, I, I've, I've never been so hungry that I thought, you know what? If I could just eat some pig slop. Boy, I've never got that low. But that's where he was. With joy, he would have eaten that. That would have made his day if he could have had some. That's how low he was. Can you see him? Weak emaciated, dirty, just an absolute wreck of a man. What do we see next? I told you these first are really quick. We see some impelling logic. Look at verse 17. And when he came to himself, that's a good thing. (laughs) He said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Reality sinks in. Boy, I've made a mess of myself, haven't I? Just a short time ago, I I hadn't a care in the world. Now my life is full of trouble and I have absolutely nothing. Even my father's servants have it better than I do. And I'm his son. What am I doing here? I have to get back to my father. Then we see number five. We see some impressive love. Look at verse 20. Oh, this is the great part of the story. The Bible says, And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. I want you to notice in this verse, if you would, the outpouring of mercy that we find in this one verse. We see his father saw him when he was a great way off. I just like to imagine and wonder if if maybe he he had a tower on his property and and he'd get on that tower and he'd look down that one road that led to his estate and he'd look down that road. Maybe he'd relive the days, that, that day when his son traveled down that road, down to the far country. And maybe he'd picture that in his mind. And maybe he would think and hope as he looked down that road, I wonder when my son's going to come back. I wonder if my son's ever going to come back down that road again. And he was there. He was looking. The Bible says the father saw him a great way off. Can you see him? Can you see him looking down there? And he sees a figure on that road. He said, hey, talk to his servants. What, what day is it? He said, it's Monday. We don't have deliveries on Monday, do we? No, sir, there's no deliveries on Monday. But there's someone coming down the road. Do you know who that is? No, I don't know who that is. There's no one scheduled to come, boss. He looks and I wonder, man, he he looks like he's struggling. He he doesn't look too well. And he sees him, he gets closer and closer. And then all of a sudden he begins to, could that be my son? Could could that be the one I've waited so long for? And he looks and he gets closer and he realizes, man, that's my boy. That's my son, the one I've been looking for. And the Bible says his father saw him. And we see eyes of mercy. May I say next, the Bible says he had compassion. We see bowels of mercy. When he realized who it was, something happened on the inside of that father. When he saw his son coming, he had compassion on him. May I say next, he ran. He had feet of mercy. The Bible says he fell on his neck. We see arms of mercy. He kissed him. We see lips of mercy. Oh, aren't you thankful tonight for the incredible, wonderful mercy of God in your life? 
Numbers 14, 18, the Bible says this, the Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy. Psalm 57, 10, for thy mercy is great under the heavens. Psalm 105, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. Aren't you glad when you need mercy, God doesn't look in his mercy bucket and say, well, looks like I'm out of mercy for you today. No, my friends, there's always enough for God's mercy. The mercy of God, the fountain of God's mercy never runs dry. Oh, the great mercy of God. But not only do we see mercy, we see incredible grace. Look at verse 21. See, not only was mercy showed, but when he realized it was his son, when his son arrived, he, he, he could have he showed justice and said, you fool. He could have done that. And guess what? That boy deserved it. But that's not what he did. He showed mercy to him. But he went beyond that showing mercy, and he showed grace. Look what he did, verse 21. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Now remember, what was he going to say next? He was going to say, he said, okay, I'm going to go to my dad. And Can you imagine rehearsing it? You know how when you're about to make an important phone call. I remember when I was about to call my, my, my soon-to-be father-in-law and, uh, and talk to him about my wife. And I rehearsed it over and over and over and over and over. And, and the one, I guess, advantage I had is he spoke Spanish. I spoke, if he yelled at me, I wouldn't know what he was saying. So it was going to be all right. Uh, but maybe he rehearsed this. I'm going to tell my dad, Dad, I'm sorry. I, I sinned against heaven and, and I sinned against you. And I don't deserve anything. I, I know what I did. I know I messed up. And if you'll just take me back, I'll be your servant. I don't need to be in the home. I don't need to be with my brother. I don't need my old room back. If I can just be a servant, I'll be okay with that. But he didn't notice. He didn't even get to that part. All he said was, Dad, I'm sorry. And the father cut him off right there. And the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Why? Because he didn't have any shoes. He had nothing. Verse 23, bring hither the fatty calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. It was party time. It was on. Gentlemen, can you help me? I got some guys to help me with a quick illustration. And, and, and the son came and the dad got so excited. He said, son, man, it is time to celebrate that you've come back home. And he called all the servants and said, hey, guys, I know it's only noon, but it looks like it's five o'clock. It's quitting time. Come on. We're going to have a party. Come on in. And he says, go, go, go. Put all the animals. Put them in the barn. We're done. And cancel all the deliveries. We're going to have a time. It's a party because my son is home. He said this. He said, hey, 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 servant. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. He said, son. I've, I've had a banner tucked away for a long time. I was looking forward to the day when you would come back. I was waiting daily when, when, when that day would finally come when, when you would be here and I made this banner for you. Hey, service, throw up the banner, throw up the banner. And they put up a banner and said, welcome home, son. And man, they were so excited. They, 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 they were so happy that, it, that he was back. He said, hey, kill the fatty cap, cancel the order for the Little Caesars. We're grilling steaks tonight is what he said. <laughs> What incredible mercy and grace. And then we get to the main portion of the message here. And I'll be done soon. We see an important lesson. An important lesson. Look at verse 25. Now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. Why? Because there was a party going on. He didn't know about it for some reason. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. He probably saw, he obviously could hear uh, the, the music and, and, the, and the dancing and they were the frivolity and all that stuff. And what was happening? Hey, hey, well, what's going on in there? And the servant said unto him, thy brother's come. Oh, my, my, my brother, he's back. And thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was, what does the next word say? 
angry and would not go in. The servant, the servant said, hey, it's a party for your brother. You remember your brother, the one, he's back. It's a party for him. He said, that guy? No, I'm not, I'm not going. I don't want to see him. And, and, and I imagine that the party is going on and the dad's looking around and he's so, he's a late, he's just so happy. His son, he's looking at his servants. They're having a great time and uh, they're, 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 they're playing darts or whatever they're doing. They're just, they're just having a time at this party, doing the limbo. I don't know. And uh, they're just having fun. And he looks around. He doesn't see his older son. Where's my, he calls one of the servants. Hey. Well, where's my older boy? They go, he's outside. Well, go tell him that his brother's here. We're having a party. Go tell him. He goes, I did. He, he doesn't want to come in. Goes, okay, then I'll go out. The Bible says the father goes out. Verse 28. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. He goes to talk to him. Son, what's going on? You know what's happening. Why aren't you coming in? Verse 29. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. Yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. See some selfishness there, just a little bit, huh? Verse 30. But as soon as this thy son was come, not my brother, but thy son. Kind of like when your wife calls you at work and says, guess what your son did today? You know, (laughs) that's what it was. This thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots. Thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. He's upset. He says, man, you're throwing this big old party for this guy who drug our name through the mud, who's a loser, and he comes. He, he, he can come back and just find himself there. We're going to throw a big party. What's going on, Dad? He gets upset. In verse 31, we find an incredibly important lesson. We find the father answers the angry son and teaches him a lesson we would do well to learn tonight. This is the crux of the message. He said unto him, son, Thou art ever with me. All that I have is thine. The father takes some time to give his upset son some perspective on what's going on. He reminds him that staying with the father, like the older son did, is actually the best life. He made the better choice by staying with the father. The best life is the one lived without leaving the comforts and joys of the father's house, without the scars from the far country, without the memories of sin and unrighteousness. And the father was teaching his other son this important lesson in the title of my sermon tonight. You don't want the party. You don't want the party. The best life is the one lived without walking away from God. The best life is the one lived without giving any time to the devil and his crowd. You don't have to do that. And yes, he's back, and we're going to rejoice that he's back. But son, he begins to explain to him the benefits he has uh, of not going to the far country. Ask the prodigal. How was it? How was it going out there? It was fun. Oh, but just for a short while. And the pain and sorrow and torment I went through was nowhere near worth it. I should have just stayed with the father. Ask Lot, how was Sodom? How was it, Lot? It was great. I got positioned. I was at the gate. I was important. I was accepted by the men of Sodom. But the end was so bitter, so bitter. I lost the love of my life. She got salty. (laughs) And my kids turned to immorality of a despicable degree. I lost it all. Ask Samson, how was leaving God's plan? And following your own desires. Now, how was it? How'd that work out? Oh, it was great at first. The parties and the influence, the satisfaction of my flesh. Oh, I I had everything, but how hard I fell. The wife I love, I lost. I spiraled out of control. I went from being Israel's champion to the Philistines' chump. They took my eyes out. I spent my last days working like a mule until I killed myself. 
Ask anyone who has tasted what the world has to offer, the pleasures, the prosperity, the popularity, and they will tell you it tasted good at first, but the aftertaste is as bitter as it can possibly get. Psalm 34, 8, the psalmist said this, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, he's so good. The father was trying to explain to his older son everything the far country had to offer pales in comparison to the blessings and benefits you get by just staying in the Father's house. The far country has nothing to offer. It never has, and it never will. And today, I guess for a little bit, I'm kind of I'm, I'm uh, gunning for you church kids tonight. I'm, I'm gunning for you that, that, that have grown up, and, and from the earliest you can remember, all you know is church. And this applies to everybody, but I hope this will hit home for some of you. What do you get to enjoy when you stay with the Father? I'm almost done. What do you get to enjoy? Why don't you want the party? Why don't you want to go out to the far country? Why don't you want that? Well, what is the benefit of staying in the Father's house? Let's look at this scripture, can we? Verse number 31. Let's look at the reply the Father gives to his older son. He said unto him, what's the next word? What's that word? Son. May I say, the first thing he said to him is, hey, my boy, let's remember something. You're my son. May I say why you don't want to leave and go to the far country? is because when the prodigal was out doing his own thing, the benefit of being that man's son was gone. He was no longer able to have his father's protection. He was no longer able to have his father's instruction. He was no longer able to experience his father's emotion. When you're close to the father, you're in the greatest position you could ever be in. Christian, be reminded that you are in a wonderful position. You are a child of the king. You're a child of God. Galatians 3.26, for you are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. You don't want the party. You already have a great position in Christ. You don't need to go out there and experience that and come back. And and if that's where you are tonight, please, uh, I'm not disparaging uh, uh, celebrating those that come back to Christ. That's not my point tonight. If you're away from God and you come back, we will have a party for you because that's wonderful. But the point is, young person, you don't have to go out to the far country. You don't have to do that. You don't have to go and and ruin yourself. You don't have to do that. You don't want the party. You have a great position in Christ. You're his son. And he he looks at his boy and says, Son, let me remind you of some things. When your brother was out there, he he didn't have this relationship we have now. He, He wishes he did, but he didn't. When he was sitting there by himself, he wishes he could have called dad, but he couldn't. But you've had it the whole time. Why don't you want the party? Because you already have a position in Christ. You don't want the party because letter B, you have his presence. Look at verse 31. He said to him, son, thou art ever with me. Your brother, he was all alone. But you, you've been with me this whole time. I've been right here with you. I've been right here for you all along, he tells his boy. He says, we've been together this whole time, son. He's been gone. He hasn't had that. But you, you've had it this entire time. God has always promised his presence to those who are doing his will. Matthew 28, 20, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Deuteronomy 31, he gave Joshua, the son of Nun, a charge and said, be strong and of a good courage, for thou shalt bring the children of Israel into the land, which I swear unto them, here it is, and I will be with thee. Judges 6, 16, to Gideon, the Lord said unto him, surely I will be with thee. Thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Why don't you want a journey into the far country? Oh, why don't you want a journey? Why don't you want to do that? You don't want the party. Why? Because when you're... In the Father's house, you have his presence. You have his presence. 
The prophet told King Asa in 2 Chronicles 15, the Lord is with you while you be with him. In other words, you're as close to God as you want to be. And when that prodigal decided to leave his father's house, he was leaving all those benefits behind. But the older son who stayed, he was trying to tell him, look, you didn't leave. You stayed and you enjoyed the benefits of me the entire time. Oh, you don't want the party, my friends. There's a 1620 of Samson, it says, and he wished not the Lord was departed from him. Mm, You don't want that in your life. Regarding the presence of God, an author relayed this story. He said, a few weeks ago when I was out surfing, there was no one else in the water. In fact, there was no one around at all except a guy the size of Goliath doing Taekwondo on the beach. If you want to think about Taekwondo, ask Brother Stanley. He knows a little bit about that. Seriously, you should ask him. After I'd been out a little while, a tiny wisp of a kid came paddling up out of nowhere. I couldn't believe he was out there by himself. He pulled his little board right up next to mine. He was so small, he hardly needed a board. He could have stood up in the ocean on just a Frisbee. Anyway, he started chatting with me like we were old friends. He told me his name was Shane. He asked me how long I'd been surfing. I asked him how long he had been surfing. Seven years, the kid said. How old are you? I asked. Eight, the kid replied. He asked me about my kids and my family, and then he said, what I like about surfing is that it's so peaceful. You meet a lot of nice people out here. You're a nice guy, Shane, uh, the author, as he recounts the story. You're a nice guy, Shane, I said. That's why you meet nice people. We talked a little while longer, and then I asked him, how did you get here, Shane? My dad brought me, he said. And he turned around and waved at the nearly empty beach. The Goliath doing martial arts waved back. Hi, son, he called out. Then I knew why Shane was so at home in the ocean. It wasn't his size. It wasn't his skill. It was who was sitting on the beach. His father was always watching. And his father was very big. (laughs) Shane wasn't really alone at all. And neither are we. May I say, when we stay in the Father's house, we get the presence of God. And I'll take the presence of God over anything the far country has to offer, Brother Paul. I'll take the presence of God over all of those things. You don't want the party. You have the presence of God in your life. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying if you walk away from God that you lose the Holy Spirit. That's not what I'm saying. God won't take the Spirit from you, but He most certainly will remove His hand of usefulness off of you. You know what good thing the prodigal son did for his father when he was out in the far country? Nothing. Nothing. He did nothing of earth when he was out there. And when we decide to head to the far country, we'll find that we end up where God is not. When we stay in the Father's house, we get the presence of God right next to him. Oh, you don't want the party. Why don't you want to journey to the far country? And I'm closing. When you stay with the Father, you enjoy the position of being a son. You enjoy the presence of the Father. And lastly, you enjoy his provision. Look at verse 31. He said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. The first day or two of living it up, I'm sure the prodigal son thought, this is the life. Look at all I have to enjoy. But he quickly realized and discovered the world's riches and satisfaction are incredibly temporary. They left him empty. And the Bible tells us he began to be in want. You know what Psalm 23 tells us? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You see, when we stay with God, our shepherd, we get his provision. The father was telling his son, your brother out in the far country, he was destitute. He had absolutely nothing. But you, son, because you stayed with me, you've had everything you could have possibly needed. And even a lot more things that you didn't need, but you wanted. And you got that too, because you stayed with me. Psalm 1611 says this, Thou wilt show me the path of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Proverbs 1022, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. 
and he addeth no sorrow with it. You know, the blessing of the world, it might make you rich, but it adds a lot of sorrow. But God's blessing, hey, there's no strings attached, my friend. God just pours it on you. It's a blessing when you get it from God. No sorrow. All the wonderful provision, the roof over your head, as he's talking to his son, the warm meals you've had every day, the clothes that you have. Your brother did without those in the far country. He didn't have any of that. He didn't have my provision. He did what Jeremiah 5 talks about. Your iniquities have turned away these things and your sins have withholden good things from you. You see, the devil wants you to think you're missing out when you stay with the Father. That, that's his game. You stay in the Father's house. You stay uh, doing what God wants you to do. You're missing out on some things out there. But that's a lie back then, and it's a lie today. May I say, young person, look at me. You're not missing out on anything when you do what God wants you to do in your life. You're not missing out on a thing. All you're missing out on is sorrow and heartache and pain and trouble. Oh, you must stay in the Father's house. Your brother, he lost out on my provision for the time he was away. But you, you never lapsed in receiving and enjoying the provision I have for you because you stayed here with me. I've taken care of you the entire time. Son, you don't want the party. You've had something so much better this whole time. Why don't you want the party? You have a position in Christ. You're a son. Why don't you want the party? You have his presence. Why don't you want the party? Because you already have his provision. I'll close with this. The far country is all deception. It's all fake. It's all the ruse. It's just like Eve. Boy, how she wanted that apple. But how afterwards she wished she never had. Amen. Son, I can see that dad talking to his boy. You don't want the party. Trust me. You want the life you have. It's miles better than what your brother just endured. Don't envy that. May I submit, you, submit to you tonight. You don't want the party. It's much better I know it doesn't have maybe the drama, but it's much better if you just live for God. It's much better if you just avoid the far country. Uh, It's dangerous because sometimes that that far country starts to call to you. I know it does. And the music from the far country starts to call to you. The lifestyle of the far country starts to call to you. You say, hey, look at this. It's not that bad. It's okay. It starts to call to you. Don't go to the far country. Don't do it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. You see, uh, some think they can handle the far country. Something, oh, I'll just go for a little bit and I'll come back. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You think you can. You think I can handle a little bit. It'll be okay. I'll make my way back. You'll make your way back crawling on your hands and knees is what will happen, my friends. Don't do that. Don't do that. You don't want the party. Just stay in the Father's house. You don't want to take that journey away from the Father to the far country only to hobble back a shadow of what you once were, trying to rebuild and put the pieces back together. And again, if that's where you're at tonight, please, I'm not preaching against you. If that's where you're at and you're calling back to God, keep crawling back, my friend. God's here for you and we're here for you. But my friend, if you're here in the Father's house, stop itching to get out. Stop itching to go to the, don't do that. Don't waste your life in the far country. Don't waste your best years living for pleasure and self only to realize in the end you should have just stayed with the Father the entire time. The best life is the one lived close to the Father. Don't walk away. Don't go down the path to the far country. You'll regret it. You'll never regret staying with the Father. I close with this. You know what the word prodigal means? You know, I've heard stories and messages on the prodigal son. And in my mind, in my ignorance, uh, I always thought the word prodigal just meant someone who maybe turned his back on truth and then came, you know, tail tucked between his legs and came back. That's just what I think the word prodigal. But the word prodigal simply means 
wasteful. That's all it means. So we could say the wasteful son. He wasted his life. Don't waste your life. God has a plan for you. And when you go to the far country, you're throwing away God's plan for your life. Don't waste your life. The far country is a waste. Don't do that. You don't want the party. Stay in the Father's house. Can we stand together? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.